we all have a very common goal. How do we build this business? How do we work in this business and do what we love while offering the absolute best service to our clients, but also still having a life that we enjoy? Mm -hmm. And so I think we all have that common goal. And so it's very easy to say, hey, it's Mother's Day or it's my birthday. And they're like, yep, you go. We got this covered. So everyone has that common goal. So everyone's willing to chip in. You're listening to In the House with Jenny Woon and Tony Singh, your West Coast real estate agents, a personal and professional development podcast for the everyday working woman. Gain proven business building tools and actionable strategies to maximize profitability. Here's your host, Jenny and Tony. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> I'm Tony Singh. And I'm Jenny Woon. And you're listening to In the House podcast. We had a great friend. Mm. And top producing realtor, entrepreneur, super mom, just lady an overall. Boss. She's a lady boss. Yeah. Uh, Gina Bourne of the yes. Bourne Group. And if you haven't heard of the Bourne Group, you guys are sleeping. You're not on social <laughs> media enough. <laughs> oh my gosh. She's got the most beautiful social Photos. media. Yeah. 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 There's no way I can. I, I can't do my hair. Like, I don't like even brushing my hair every day. So yeah, me neither. Yeah. So what she had shared on this podcast, which I really found very inspiring, mm -hmm. is her ability to like just her optimism, her passion, and the I can do the yes attitude. Yes. She's incredibly positive. Her energy is absolutely amazing. You could feel it coming through when she was just speaking and, and mm -hmm. we're not in person right now. We're mm -hmm. virtual. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so much to learn from Gina. I'm so happy to watch her success as well because she's really expanded mm -hmm. her team mm -hmm. over the last couple of years during the pandemic. Right. Yeah. She went from a solo agent, joined another team, learned a few things from that. And recently, the last couple of years have added a few more team members and just even working alongside her at Oakland Realty. Mm -hmm. um, it's been really, really nice to see that. The, her expansion. The, her expansion, her success, her support for other females in the business and very transparent on some of her responses. I, I really appreciated that. The fact that some of the struggles that she's gone through and really have self-reflected on what's really important to her. Mm-hmm. Before we have a chat with her, you guys can check her out at Gina Bourne and her team Instagram is the.born, born with an E, mm -hmm. actually born with a U and an E. So that's B-O-U-R-N-E dot group. So check her out and you're going to be able to uh, find a lot more things about this business just by listening to her episode. Good morning, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Jenny Woon. I'm Tony Singh. And we are here with Gina Bourne of The Bourne Group. How are you doing, Gina? So wonderful. So excited to be here, ladies. We've been meaning to have you on our show for mm -hmm. a few months now, and you're super busy and you have a family. So we're so happy you're able to join us. But let's ask the very first question. What is your spirit animal? Ooh, I've been asked this before, and I feel like my spirit animal changes. I want to say right now, it's a lion. Ooh, <laughs> lioness. Mm -hmm. Gina, we had a conversation in 2020. I was kind of going back in our notes, and you were asking me about starting a team. So let's walk our listeners through how you started the business, when you started, as a solo agent mm -hmm. and take us through all these years of now you and your team. 
I love this question because I think we don't reflect enough on how far we've come. And I've been thinking a lot recently about this, of just remembering that first day I passed my exam. I actually found um, a, one of my notebooks and I was actually writing down some future journal entries and my, you know, just things that I was trying to um, create in my life. And it was like, I'm going to pass the exam. I'm going to have, you know, clients. I'm going to have a team one day. And it was just so crazy to look back. You know, that was probably eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And just to see how it all has all come together. So I got my license actually before I was pregnant. So that was in 2014, but I didn't actually start using it until after I had my baby. So she was 10 months old when I first got into the industry, which Mm. if I knew what I was getting into, I don't know that I would have done it simply because I would have thought it wasn't possible. I really didn't understand what the schedule was going to be like. I I just didn't know what to expect. I've been in sales forever. I'm like, I can do this. This Mm -hmm. is fine. But once you get into it, it's it's so demanding. You guys know. And so my first year in the industry, I actually worked with another agent, essentially as his assistant kind of buyer's agent. Mm -hmm. And I learned a lot from him in that first year. But I think that arrangement really wasn't working with me being a mom and needing to be at home with my daughter. And so that's when I joined Oakwin. And what really attracted me to Oakwin, number one, was the fact that there was a lot of female leaders within the company. I actually met with Morgan and I was just blown away by her energy and the vibe of the the brokerage, everything that they stood for. They were so forward thinking. Their marketing was on point. The office was stunning. Um, I'm all about aesthetics. So that Mm -hmm. definitely appealed to me. And just the support that they offered. So I joined Oakwin. I was there. I mean, I've been there. I did leave temporarily to actually join another team. But then after that, I went back on my own again. And essentially, my business just got to the point where you just don't have enough time to do it all. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that I kind of reached this peak point. Um, I kept trying to do it on my own. There's always a little bit of resistance, I feel, for a lot of agents before they hire that assistant. Mm. You know, you're kind of in this in-between phase of, I need an assistant, but not all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit of fear and scarcity mindset around, well, if I hire them, what if I you know, can't pay them later? What if I don't have enough hours? So I actually do a lot of coaching. And my coach essentially told me at that point, you just have to hire an assistant. And it just kind of gave me that push to just pull that trigger and do that. And best decision ever. Um, And actually my assistant and my first team member actually started on the exact same day, Mm -hmm. which was not planned, but it actually worked out perfect. When did you hire? So that's kind of my my arc. When did you hire your assistant and first team member? Because I actually remember a few years ago, you and I used to have, we would meet or have the coffee Zoom meetings during COVID. Mm -hmm. So when did you actually make the hires? October 6th or 4th. I can't remember which exact day, but October, early October 2020 was when they started. Amazing. A lot of realtors go through the same process. Like you kind of said, it's like, should I, shouldn't I? And then you get to that point where it's like, maybe I need to hire help. And then you do. And then the business just explodes. Our listeners might not know you personally yet, but they're going to. You're an awesome, (laughs) awesome mom, entrepreneur, and There's just so many great things that we could say about you. But I guess, tell us a little bit about your daughter, Emmeline. How old is she and how has being a mom kind of helped shape you in your growth, both professionally and entrepreneurial? I love this question too. I mean, I feel like my daughter has been the biggest teacher of my life. You know, people always say that, but when you become a mom and it actually happens to you, you're like, yeah, that I can see why. Because she's really this mirror, right? That reflects back to me how I treat myself because I'm trying to set this example for 
self-compassion, forgiveness, self-forgiveness, you know, believing in yourself and in trying to teach her that it was very apparent to me how I don't do that for myself. Mm. But to answer your question, she's seven now. So, you know, it's been interesting having her in this industry. I mean, I'm lucky because she's very outgoing. So she likes to come to work with me. She's very curious about real estate terms. She asks me what subject to sale means. Mm -hmm. She, you know, she wants to know, did they remove subjects? Um, (laughs) Did you get subject free? You know, she's so (laughs) cute and she'll come with me to showings. um, And she brings her little clipboard and she used to do tours with some people and she would count the number of chairs in the house. (laughs) And I'd say, they don't need to know the chairs, babe, just like the the number of rooms. And, you know, so I think with her, um, she, She started to come with me pretty much right out the gate. She wasn't in daycare. I really wanted to make sure I had a lot of time with her. So luckily enough, most of my clients were very understanding and, you know, she could come with me to a lot of these things. But I think, again, having that that child is this reflection back of how am I managing my time? You know, am I really prioritizing my life or is my family just getting the leftover bits mm-hmm. of me, right? I think I, I a lot of times look at my calendar and wonder, you know, is it visible that my priority is my family? And sometimes it's not. Sometimes you kind of forget. We get caught up in the chaos of our business and we're just kind of chasing after things. And again, having that reflected back to me constantly with wanting to spend time with my daughter, it gave me that extra motivation to hire that assistant and grow the team and start mm-hmm. to scale and start to make the decisions in my business that ultimately were going to get me to the kind of life that I wanted instead of only focusing on how do I make more money, Mm. which I think a lot of people kind of fall under the trap into. Good, great Mm self-reflection. A little bit about the self-reflection. When you joined the team, when you left Oakwin, how did you find it not working for you? Like, where did you draw that aha moment for you to just move on on your own? I think the main reason was honestly the distance. I ended up joining a brokerage that was in West Vancouver. I love everyone that I work with on the team. We learned so much from each other. This synergy is actually what I was looking for, right? That camaraderie, the support. I was at a point in my business where I really was drowning. I wanted some help and it made a lot of sense. I also loved that it was an all-female team. And, you know, so a lot of things did make sense. But I think after a while, when you're starting to work in your business, you get to a point again where you're like, does it make sense for me to be driving two hours, Mm -hmm. you know, to be doing this. And again, I looked at my schedule and that two hours could have been used doing so many other things, spending time with my kid, building my business in other ways. So for me, it was more, I guess, circumstantial, just the location wise, it just didn't really make sense anymore. And then I went back on my own, went to Oakland and it was kind of like, okay, I guess I'm going to just keep trying to do this on my own. And things just kind of fell into place from there. And yeah, talking Mm -hmm. about the distance, you're driving, you're primarily in Fraser Valley area. So let's talk about the type of clients you work with. I'm assuming, you know, Langley is kind of your specialty. You're bringing Emmeline into appointments and it probably, like if I was a client and I don't have a kid, I would be like, this is a distraction. Like, you know, (laughs) so does it, are you primarily focusing on families So when I say I bring her to appointments, I'm super mindful. I would never bring her to a (laughs) listing appointment, to a new buyer client. I would never do that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's a showing for my own listing, sometimes I think that's okay. And then I always ask the the buyer's agent, hey, my daughter's going to be there. Is that okay? And obviously I read the room. I mean, Mm -hmm. she knows when I'm like, 
she'll kind of stop talking and just kind of <laughs> don't go touch and, that. <laughs> yeah, just don't talk, don't touch anything. And she'll just draw. She's very, you know, self-sufficient. She'll kind of keep herself busy, but then I'll tell her, okay, hey, this is one you can talk to. And then she'll, you know, chat oh. them up. So I am mindful of that. There's only been a couple clients that haven't really been okay with that, but it, it makes sense. And I'm like, that that's fine. And I figure out other arrangements, but to answer your question, yes, I deal with mainly families. I really like the relationship part of it. So some background on me, I grew up moving pretty much every two years. And we would just move from one small town to another small town. I was born in Alberta, and we eventually made our way to BC. And I'll never forget when we lived in Walnut Grove in Langley, my parents were selling their townhouse. And there was an agent that came in and I was kind of listening into their interaction and he was just like, here's paperwork, sign here, sign here. And I mean, my parents speak English, but I was like, she has no idea what she's signing. Mm. There was no explanation. There was no guidance. It was just strictly business, just sign here. And I felt really bad for my mom. I was like, do do they know what they're doing? And I remember thinking that day, like, I could totally do that job. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where it started for me that, you know, one day I might get into this business and... I think ultimately for me, why I like dealing with families is because I see so much of our own family reflected in them Mm -hmm. and understanding their stresses, understanding how much it means to a kid to move. You know, there's so many emotional ties to the whole process. So I think I'm very empathetic to that process. And ultimately, I really just try to be the agent that I wish my mom had. Mm. (laughs) That's so nice. Gina, you have an incredible following on social media. It's insane. I think you're what, over 16,000 followers or something like that? Something like that. Just under 16,000. Yeah. I feel like social media, it's it's shifted a lot. Yes. Um, And even for me, I think the focus a lot of the time is just to get as many followers as we can get. Mm -hmm. Whereas now I think it's more important to engage with the existing audience and really finding the right audience that you're actually wanting to talk to. 100%. So I've actually actually gone through my follower list and I'm removing some followers that are very obvious bots and spam accounts and Mm. because I really want to be able to reach deeper into the audience that actually is resonating with my content and that I actually want my content to to go to. So in saying that, what would your top two strategies be for really building your audience with the right audience? I think you really have to start with figuring out who your ideal audience is, you know, figuring out what is their pain points, you know, what are the things that they're doing, what are they going to resonate with? I mean, for me, because I'm dealing with families and a lot of people that are my own age, even like nostalgic posts that they can kind of respond to, but then of course, posting mom content about my daughter, also then sharing sides of yourself that kind of illustrate what kind of person you are. You know, I think it needs to be so much deeper than just, I listed this house and I listed this house and this one just sold. But, you know, sharing stories about the process with the client, but also Mm -hmm. just even your own personal philosophies. I post a lot about different quotes that really resonate with me. So, you know, a lot of clients I meet at an open house and then they follow me on Instagram. And then once they kind of get to know me, then they call back and they're ready to kind of start working with you. So I think strategy number one would be really getting clear on who you're talking to and build your content around that and what would be engaging with them, what would they be interested in hearing about. And then I think strategy number two would be really sharing parts of yourself that illustrate the kind of person and the kind of agent you are. Mm -hmm. Tell us a success story. So you mentioned you meet the person, they follow you, they get to know you. So how about the reverse? Tell us a success story, if you have one, where you converted a follower into a real buyer or or seller? 
I actually have a very specific example. One of my clients, she reached out to me and she, I, I, I always ask, you know, how did you hear about me? And she said that she actually followed several female realtors and followed them for a few months. And after getting to know me, and a lot of my messaging is, you know, no pressure. I'm here to guide you and help you. Um, I really like to have an open communication with my clients. I really care. And I think the biggest message that she took away from it was no pressure. Mm. You can call me. We can have a no obligation consultation. Mm -hmm. Let's just see if we're a good fit. And if we're not, at least you walk away with some information. And she said that that in conjunction with just my personality that she resonated with gave her the, I guess, permission slip to reach out without feeling like I was going to stalk her and <laughs> blow up her phone every two days. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. And it actually led to then her sister is now buying and selling with us as well. It totally just then, you know, domino effect from there. So how much do you recommend for someone to spend on social media? I mean, it costs money for those beautiful photos that you take, mm -hmm. a lot of sweat equity and time to be in the right place and and have a Instagram husband or a photographer follow, follow you around. <laughs> how much time and money are you spending on that? Um, I don't spend any money on it. I mean, my husband does take my pictures. My daughter's getting pretty good. Ah. I just feel a little bit weird when I'm standing in front of the camera and she's taking <laughs> taking the picture. It feels <laughs> not right. Not right. Yeah. He's like, she wants to do this, I swear. Um, but <laughs> my husband has gotten really good. We've kind of had some lessons here and there. So I don't spend any money on that. I personally just am a very creative person. I love editing photos. I'm all about the aesthetic. So for me, I just like that. I don't think everybody needs to do that in order to have success on social. Mm -hmm. I think it really, again, goes down to, are you being you? And that is very me. You know, those are things I'm actually interested in. In terms of how much to spend, there are people that do, you know, boost posts and things like that. And I think that could be impactful. I personally don't. I think I have boosted a couple here and there just to kind of see what happens with it. But I find that the more organic ones that are actually coming to your page to get to know you, those are the ones that tend to convert, right? Mm -hmm. So I haven't really done too much boosting of my posts. Okay. So if someone was getting started with social media, what kind of recommendations would you have for them in terms of getting started and what to focus on? Because there's so many different things you can focus on. I think you definitely need to have some nice photos. So, you know, I think in the beginning, it would be a good idea to invest in a photographer. I mean, there's so many out there that don't even charge that much. Honestly, just get your friend to do it. But even that, some friends are not great at taking photos. So you do kind of want to make that first impression and, and have it look professional, of course, in some level or, you know, just clear photos. Instagram and social media is very visual. So you want to make that look good. And yeah, I think when you're first starting out, like I said, I, I'm going to go back to my, my other tips, which is just really getting clear on who you are trying to talk to. Mm -hmm. And also, I think there's an element of talking about things that do feel safe to you. I think mm -hmm. some people feel like they need to go onto social and share every aspect of their life. And they're like, I don't want to talk about my husband. I don't want to talk about my kids. Then don't. You know, I think start with maybe writing down some aspects of your life that you would be open to sharing. You know, do you like to go on hikes? Do you like to run? Do you like surfing? Do you like travel? Can you pull up some old videos from your past trip that you can kind of share? I think there's people underestimate what they do have to share. Mm -hmm. You know, I think everyone thinks you have to have this exciting life. I think I'm the most boring person on earth. Um, no. But people resonate with just the normal life stuff. I feel like some of my best performing content, quote unquote, is 
very relatable. It's my, honestly, my daughter is probably the biggest star of my channel. <laughs> it's all She's her. so but, adorable. You know, mm -hmm. just sharing the challenges that we go through or, you know, just whatever quotes that you really like, like I said. So, so yeah. Let's talk about the female aspect of this business. You have an all-female team. You joined a female team in West Van and you joined Oakwind because there's that, the, the woo group and the community of female leaders. Why is it so important to you? I just think um, there needs to be more representation. I also think there needs to be more women-inclusive workspaces. You know, in all of my corporate jobs before getting into real estate, I always used to wonder, you know, how hard it must be for moms because there would always be a mom whose kid is sick. Yeah. Not her fault, <laughs> but she's being penalized, right? She's now in trouble. She now is stressed every time her kid, kid gets sick. She feels bad. Am I going to get fired? Am I going to get written up? And I always just thought there has to be another way. And then when I had a baby, I definitely felt a level of... I can't really share that I can't do this because I have to be with my daughter. I, I felt like I wasn't allowed to say I can't make it to this appointment because mm -hmm. I have to go breastfeed her. Mm -hmm. You know, it felt very, if you said that, then they would think you're not going to be able to do your job properly. Whereas I felt like a very unfair imbalance. Whereas when a man would say that, mm -hmm. it was like, wow, you're such a good dad. Wow, you're amazing. Like, that's great. Call me back. You know, it was so different. <laughs> so um, interesting. Do you guys agree? Yes. I mean, I think it's different now. <laughs> I can't comment. So I think it'll... it's a little bit different now just because the world has shifted a bit and there seems to be a real focus on like values. What is important to you individually and as a collective family unit? Whereas before mm -hmm. it was more masculine-based energies, like it was unacceptable. So I also would bring Antonio with me to some appointments, but I was very cautious and choosy, right, with which ones, because in that realm, most clients probably wouldn't want to have a child there. So only with certain clients, I, I would, and depending on the appointment. But I do think it's different now. For sure. Mm -hmm. Same thing. I mean, now my daughter barely comes with me because she's obviously in school. But on summer break, I mean, mm -hmm. she's with me all the time. So now we, we've got a different flow. I'm able to kind of control my schedule a little more so that she's only coming to the ones where the clients actually want her there. Yeah, yeah. Because people get to know her on social media, they're like, bring her. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree that I do think it has shifted a lot more. I feel like when I first started in this business, I was just seeking any other mom that was doing this business. And I'm like, how did you do it? But there, it didn't seem very obvious. There were not a lot of people that I felt like I could talk to. And I know, Tony, you and I definitely talked about that. Mm -hmm. Johanna Osato, I love her. She was one of the first people because she had two kids. And I remember taking her out for coffee and asking her, how the hell do you do this? And I actually had a couple men at my first brokerage tell me, you know, if you want to have your kid full time, like there's just no way you're mm -hmm. going to be able to do this. Creative oh, yeah. solution. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to prove that. How do you recommend totally. someone to dominate their market. Like you've dominated Langley and I see so many beautiful pictures you've taken at uh, Bedford Landing and you've, you really have built a really good community of network there. So what are three tips that you can give someone who wants to really do hyper-focused, like hyper-local strategy in a certain area? Mm. I mean, there's a lot of strategies that agents do like, you know, farming, door knocking, flyers, things like that. I've never been one to subscribe to those kind of traditional older school ways of, of marketing. I would say for that, I definitely leaned a lot into 
social media for that. Mm -hmm. So I spent a lot of time actually just in the neighborhood. These are genuine places that I love going to. And from doing that and constantly posting about them, I then was able to create stronger relationships with the actual business owners. We did some collaborations together. And so now they're posting about me. And so it kind of starts to create this, I guess, a level of familiarity with people in the community. Some people would say, oh, hey, I saw you in that store in one of their posts and and things like that. So people actually know that you do live there. You understand mm-hmm. the neighborhood. I don't know if I have three specific separate tips, but the other part I will say is is really being, uh, I guess, mindful of what other business you do take. Because in the beginning, when you first start, like one of my first deals was in Nanaimo. <laughs> I don't even live on the island. You know, when you start, you're like, I'll take anything. I'll do it. Um, and so it gets to the point where you then do want to kind of niche into one, one area. And I think for me, it just made sense. I'm always in Langley. We talked about the whole driving situation. You know, what is the best use of my time? And so then I just was a lot more systematic about not taking as many clients in areas that I don't want to be focusing on as much and really trying to hone in on the clients and, mm-hmm. you know, the referral sources and things like that in the neighborhood that I did want. And then, like I said, in addition to that, it was trying to connect with the actual business and the people that yeah. are in that community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your team that you basically formed pretty recently, but you're doing an amazing job and you're really curating your ideal demographic in that specific area and location. At what point was it for you, you were just like, you know what, I have to hire people to help me. I have to do this. You mentioned your daughter, but what was it really for you? Because a lot of agents have difficult times letting go of tasks or, you know, there could be fear in terms of training somebody and it affecting the brand. So what point was it for you that was the breaking point almost? And then how did you expand from there, like going into your current team, what it looks like, that kind of thing? It honestly just got to a point where I just couldn't take it anymore. I consider myself, um, I have a high tolerance for being able to work. I, I love working, you know, working seven days a week used to be something that I like to do. I got to the point where it was consistently working over 100 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And you just get to this point where you're so unhappy and you're just stressed out all the time. And I was like, I just need, I just have to hire somebody. I need to be able to take time off. And once I did hire the team, because like I said, it just, it got to the point where I could not handle the amount of business I had. Um, I was starting, you know, you kind of start to notice where you start to take shortcuts and I don't like to do that. I also had to turn clients away because I couldn't handle them, which Mm -hmm. no one wants to do. So for me, it was really out of necessity. And then in terms of when I hired them, you're right. There is an element of, are you going to do this as good as me? Mm -hmm. You know, or is the client going to have the same experience, but I like doing this. I can just do it. There was a lot of that. Mm -hmm. I'm one of the weird people that actually likes doing paperwork. Mm. And so I kept saying, I can just do this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This takes five minutes. I'll just do it. And it was really understanding what am I trading this time for, right? It wasn't just about, oh, I can do this and save the money that I would be spending on paying this person to do it. It's what can I do with this time instead? Mm -hmm. And so then I started to transition into, I need to be the visionary, right? While they're helping to run the the ship on on this side of things, what can I do to keep growing the business and start focusing on, you know, the marketing efforts that we want to do to focus on the neighborhood that we want? It kind of gives you that space and time that you need to be the CEO of a growing business. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And so talking about growing, how did you find or what kind of resource did you use to find your team members? 
Um, I got really lucky the first round. So Michelle, who is my assistant, she's stepping into more of a COO role. So she's actually getting a promotion this year, which we're very happy for her about. Very well-deserved. But I actually knew Michelle from way before. And we kept kind of crossing paths. At one point, she actually worked with me at one of my previous jobs. But she's actually also sister-in-laws with another agent that I know. And Uh so I was talking to that agent and saying, I need an assistant. And she was like, you know what? Michelle's on mat leave. She used to be an assistant for another um, team before. So she knows real estate. Why don't you reach out to her? And then I did. And she was like, yeah, I'll do it. So she fell out of the sky. And then Amanda, my first agent, I actually just posted something on Instagram saying that I'm looking for an agent to join my team. And she was the first person to message me and the first person to email me. And uh, we took it from there. We just did a Zoom call. It was kind of an immediate yes. Mm. It was, I just knew she was the right fit. It was kind of scary because I was like, am I just being, you know, this feels too fast. It felt too easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Am I just being desperate? But there was something about her energy and I I just knew right from from the get-go. So Yeah. And then I got quite lucky. So since then, I have added another agent to the team. And she actually worked in pre-sales. Her name is Andrea. She worked for MLA for quite a few years. I actually met her at one of the pre-sale projects. And so she saw my job posting on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and remembered uh, meeting me. So we already had a little bit of a relationship and interviewed her. And same thing. It was kind of an instant resounding yes. So that's kind of my new... Nice. Um, I guess marker is—is mm-hmm. is it a resounding yes? There's been people where I'm like, they're they're pretty good. I think I can make this work. But I've learned from experience that's that's a no. Yeah. So, you mentioned that you just finally went on vacation with your family. Uh, yes. This is before we started talking today, yes. and it was the very first time that you were able to really be present and joy and not pick up your phone, not do little work things. So. I'm curious, what kind of results, in addition to that, did you notice once you started hiring the right people with a resounding yes for your team? So results in your business and then even just maybe for yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, the biggest thing for me was I then was able to kind of take a breath and, and zoom out of the business. I think when you're in it, you can't really see that clearly. You're just kind of darting around from this place to this place. And I think having that space to kind of breathe um, was really nice. So having that time, but also my processes all got a lot cleaner. Everything was able to move smoother. You kind of have to create those systems when you have a team because now I'm teaching her how to do it and, you know, creating our, you know, born group way, our streamlined methods to make sure there's no cracks in our clients process in their journey. So it kind of forced me to do the things that they always tell you to do, but you don't do when you're on your own. Yeah. <laughs> so it definitely did that. But I also had the team to help me. You know, now Michelle was able to kind of help me create trainings. And it just really allowed me to scale because I wasn't doing everything. Mm-hmm. It freed up that time so that I could focus on things that were actually going to move the needle forward. Mm-hmm. Is there so many team models and commission structures? Mm-hmm. And it's a topic that we always actually get a lot of listeners and commenting on because we're very open and transparent on how our team splits are, especially with me. Mm -hmm. And uh, Tony has also shared how she does her team split. So do you mind sharing how you do your team splits? It's just pretty much straight up Mm 50-50. Every team is so different. It's honestly as different as every realtor is from each other, Mm -hmm. right? There are some teams that provide a ton of leads, but no mentorship. Mm -hmm. Some teams are all about mentorship, but no leads. I think for me... I come from a training background. I've been in sales forever. So I used to train sales teams. So I knew that coaching, mentorship, training was going to be a big 
value prop for my team. And so I actually had a really hard time with this. And I, I don't know if you guys also kind of experienced this, but there was a level of feeling bad mm. for taking someone's mm. commission or, you know, taking a cut of it. So I, I kind of undersold myself a lot. Like, oh, I'll just take a little bit. I don't, I feel bad. And so my real estate coach, actually, you guys interviewed her, Jess La Nouvelle. Um, she's amazing. Um, and she, it, through the coaching program, one of my coaches there told me to write down my value proposition, you know, not just the leads they were going to get, but who I am and what kind of leader I am and all the non-tangible things that they could get from being on the team. Even things like being able to take a day off, being able to go on holidays, you know, having that support. And I think specifically for me, because I want an all-female team and a lot of, you know, my agents will eventually become moms. Uh, Michelle is a mom already. I think being able to offer a space, again, that they feel safe mm -hmm. in being a mom mm -hmm. and being able to say, hey, my son is sick. And I'm like, take the day off. We got this. And having that feel okay, yeah. I really wanted to be able to offer that to my team. And I think that is a huge value add. I wish I had that when I first started. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, after I kind of wrote down everything that they were going to get, it really became clear why it makes sense to take 50%. Mm -hmm. And especially in my case, I actually do offer quite a lot of leads to my team. And they're not bought leads. They're not, you know, like online leads where they're, you know, cold calling and things like that they're actual clients of mine that want to work with me again, or they're friends or family. So they're all people that are ready to get pre-approved and, and get going right away. So they're very, you know, solid clients to start working with. And so even with Amanda, you know, for the first year, most of her business was, you know, the clients that she was getting from the team. And I want that to continue. So I, I think that with the mentorship and the lead offering and all of that, the, the, the culture, that's ultimately how I came up with my split. And the marketing as well. So they mm -hmm. don't need to take care of any of the the marketing. Yes. Okay. Thank you for adding that in. So I pay for pretty much all the expenses. The only thing that they pay for is the client gift mm -hmm. okay. and everything else. Yeah. Their office fees, their headshots, their business cards, all of that stuff. For the listing side, I usually pay for up to $1,000 towards marketing the listing, which is usually enough. If they need a bit more, then we can always talk about that or split the cost on that. Yeah. And sorry, when you brought Amanda on, were they a brand new green agent? She had some experience. So she actually was in the business for maybe three years, I want to say. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of important, at least for me. I really didn't want to hire somebody brand, brand new, only because I think when you're brand new, you don't really know if you want to be on a team. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, you don't really know also the value of a lead. So I really wanted to create an environment where I was getting agents that just kind of knew that this is the place that they wanted to be. Mm -hmm. I didn't want there to be a ton of turnover, which happens no matter what team you're on. But I wanted to make sure that they had a level of understanding of the business before they were making a decision to commit to the team. Yeah, I'm fair glad enough. You, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because there's a lot of agents that now I am um, mentoring yeah. as a managing broker. They often ask, should I join a team or I want to join a team? I My first question is, why do you want to join a team? And if their response is, well, I want to learn the systems so I can do it on my own. I'm like, you're never going to be joining a team then with that answer. So yeah, good point. Um, about buyer's fatigue. I know that, you know, everyone had a great year in the last, like since 2021. How did you overcome? What kind of advice do you have for the agents who are working with primarily buyers who've had buyer fatigue over the past six months? Um, I personally have a lot of heart to hearts with my clients. I try to manage the expectations from the get-go. 
you know, they're coming into a market that it is competitive and you have to kind of be detached a bit and not try your best to not get emotionally attached to the process. And so I think right in the initial consultation with our buyers, we always try to give them a snapshot of the landscape of the market so that it's not a surprise. Um, so I think our clients getting into it typically have a pretty good attitude about it. And, you know, we always tell our clients, if it's not this one, we'll get the next one. And we try to always kind of highlight the positive aspects of each experience, because even if you didn't win that first one, you learned from that offer. Right now, we're actually getting to know what the market's doing. You understand the offer process more. So that's obviously in the beginning. But of course, we have clients that have lost, you know, 10, 12, 13 mm -hmm. times. Those cases, I think it's really important to be in communication with the client to kind of read how are they feeling? Because sometimes they're actually fine. I have clients that are like, we don't care. We know what'll happen. But then some clients really do start to lay out, this is how I'm feeling. I'm actually super stressed out. Am I ever going to be able to find a place? And I think just kind of being there to hear their concerns kind of just helps them to release that anxiety or stress a little bit. So with our team, we really just try to focus on being a very open communication channel for our clients and trying to be really encouraging and also just giving them examples of clients who have won in the past, you know, recently, even though they've lost a lot of times and just trying to, um, yeah, be an optimist, yeah. I guess, on their mm -hmm. behalf. Positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So Gina, as you know, being in the real estate market and a top producing realtor, competition is fierce <laughs> no matter where you go. So how do you set yourself apart from your competition? I really just focus on the kind of clients that I want. And like I said, I really just try to focus on marketing to them. It's very easy to look at the competition. There's a lot of comparison in this industry, especially because we all follow a million realtors. And so you're constantly seeing someone else with their achievements. So I really try to not focus on that and just kind of focus on my lane. So what sets me apart, honestly, I think is really just our level of service, our level of care. You know, every agent does things differently as, as we've discussed, but what my clients know they're going to get from me is that white glove service over and above. We try to make it as least stressful as possible. Um, we do all the heavy lifting. We really listen to them. We communicate with them. We want them to ask us a million questions. So I think we've just created this brand and reputation for the kind of agents that are just going to handle whatever comes up. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of my clients say things like, you have to use Gina. Like, she's going to make sure everything goes well. If anyone can do this, it's Gina. Um, you know, if there's kind of a tough listing that they think is not going to sell, they're like, Gina can do it. Um, so I think it's just that there's so much trust between us and our clients that we are going to have their back and we're not just out to make a paycheck. We're really here to help guide them. We've mm -hmm. told our clients to back out of properties all the time if it's not the right one for them. So again, I think just having that level of trust has really led to so many more referrals and just a level of knowing that they know what to expect from our from our team. Mm -hmm. And so let's name a specific skill that you have and your other teammates have and how it's all combined to make this a very special dream team? I would say empathy is probably the biggest common thread between all of us. And I feel like that's a soft skill that people underestimate a lot. Mm -hmm. I think when you're able to have empathy and you can connect with your clients, you're then able to kind of read between the lines of what they're saying. Right. So some clients, like I said, they might be stressed out, but they're not really voicing it to us. And that's when we kind of have to read between the lines of, 
Is this too much? Do you guys want to take a break? Let's do a temperature check. So I think that empathy for us has really led to a higher level of communication with our clients, which ultimately leads to better results because we're more on the same page. We understand them better and it doesn't leave any room for misunderstanding. You're absolutely right. It's been amazing watching your growth in real time. I'm super excited about everything that's going to be coming down the pipeline for you. Gina's killing it. I know. It's amazing. I love it, girl. Yeah. Question for you. What are some goals, both professionally and personally, that you would like to see play out in 2022? My goal setting process has changed so much. I Mm -hmm. used to be really, really focused on the metrics and the numbers. And I think now I'm just at the point where I know the numbers are going to come. I'm going to be successful regardless. And I think my definition of success has really changed. Um, I think now it's, am I happy? Do I like myself? Do I enjoy what I'm doing? And so I think for this year, we're really trying to focus on creating that level of, I guess, balance in everyone's business on my team. Um, We're all very big people pleasers. And Mm. so it's very hard to say no and to draw those boundaries. And so I'm trying to set an example by taking days off during the week, going away on vacations and not touching my phone. And part of that is also setting those boundaries with our clients. So we have started to implement kind of communication guidelines What in terms of what they can expect from us in communication. Yeah. You know, so now we're starting to do things like evenings and weekends are by appointment and, and things like that. So we're trying to implement some of these processes that are ultimately going to lead to all of us having more balance so that we can serve our clients better. So that's one goal then that has to do with the team. And I think just really setting up the team more to be able to handle more capacity and to run their businesses better. So so yeah, I don't want to say that there's a monetary goal, really. I think it's more about running our businesses in a way that feels good and yeah. fits in with our life and helping them to do the same. Because I think that the agents on my team also struggle with that. They don't want to say no, and they feel like they need to do everything, and they, they don't think they can take time off. So helping to change that mindset mm. is a big thing for us on the team right now. Also, I think personally, yeah, I think just incorporating more fun time for me, trying to incorporate more more family time and really having a close look at what is actually showing up as a priority in my life and how can I continue to make sure that the family and, you know, that is staying a priority. So personally for me, I think that's a big one. Yeah, such, yeah, that's so wholesome and feels so good. And what about your Mm -hmm. team culture? How would you describe that? Oh, man, I love my team. I mean, we our Monday morning meetings are always so lit. I mean, we cry a lot. <laughs> um, we we go deep. Uh, one of my my coach, actually, one of my favorite quotes from her is she says that no business problem is not a personal problem, mm-hmm. or maybe it's every business problem is a personal problem. And I think that that's so true. Even when it comes to not being able to say no to a client, that's a personal problem. Mm. And so we really go deep on those in in the in the Monday morning meetings and things like that. So I think the culture within my team is, you know, we're very caring. We all work super hard. There's a lot of trust. We all have each other's backs. And, you know, everyone wants the best for the client. And so I think we all have a very common goal. How do we build this business? How do we work in this business and do what we love while offering the absolute best service to our clients, but also still having a life that we enjoy. Mm -hmm. And so I think we all have that common goal. And so it's very easy to say, hey, it's Mother's Day or it's my birthday. And they're like, yep, you go. We got this covered. So everyone has that common goal. So everyone's willing to chip in when when they need to. Yeah. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. We're going to finish this segment off. 
and go into our five rapid fire questions. I don't know if you ever listened to some of our podcasts. But, I do. But I know uh, I went. I had to go back and see. I'm like, what else did they ask? <laughs> um, to, to try to prepare, but they're all different. Who or what is your biggest inspiration? I would definitely say my daughter. What's your favorite current book or podcast? Ooh, um, I'm actually reading a book by Dr. Shafali. I don't know if you guys know her. She talks a lot about conscious parenting, um, but she has a book called Radical Awakening, and it's all about females and, and female empowerment and us coming out of our shells and not being apologetic for being who we are, you know, living your life as your authentic self. It's very heavy on that. So I'm not done that one yet. But another book that I love is by Joe Dispenza. Mm. Yeah. He has a book called Breaking the Habit of Being You, and it changed my Great life. Book. Very good. Going back into your first year being in the real estate business, what's one piece of advice that you would have given yourself? I wish I would have invested in coaching earlier Mm -hmm. just to have that guidance right from the get-go. I think there's so many voices. There's so many people telling you what to do. So you kind of end up doing everything, but only by like 1%. And so nothing's really working. Whereas I feel like having a coach would really help you to stay focused or at least, you know, a strong mentor from your brokerage, um, just having a little bit more guidance. But sometimes it's hard to find a mentor. So I think I'd probably go with a coach. Good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that would be my answer too. Everybody yes, is me. a great coach. If you're not a realtor, what career or profession would you be in? I've done so many things. Um, I don't know. I'm very interested in a lot of different things. I, I love photography. I Sometimes I think I would do that. Would I maybe just be in social media marketing? Because that's also another interest of mine. Thought about interior design. Um, All those three were like... be so good at that. I, I had it on the top of my mind for you. It's like, she's going <laughs> to no say way. this, this, and this. Yes, yeah. I actually also used to do music and so I actually love writing songs but for other singers so that would be like a pipe dream of mine would would be to write music for other artists Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah definitely something creative but I'm also very business minded so something that kind of embodies both which is obviously real estate so Mm -hmm. boss lady I think I'm in the right job Mm. yeah (laughs) final question what trait most defines who you are I think the growth mindset for me. I think I'm always on the search for how do I improve myself? How do I get more out of life? You know, how do I attract more of what I want? So I'm always in self-reflection mode. I've been like that since I was honestly a kid. I'm kind of always going inward. And I think honestly, being very self-aware is so key in finding success in anything um, because you're able to kind of call yourself out on your own shit, right? You can kind of be honest with yourself and see, okay, this is where I might be, you know, resisting things, or this is where my old patterns might be coming up. So I think this constant pursuit to evolve into the next higher version of myself has been um, very instrumental in where I'm at now. Mm, So good. Spectacular. Where can our listeners find you if they would like to reach out and have a chat with you about real estate or family life? Or joining your team. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. I welcome all messages. I do respond <laughs> to all of them except for the creepy ones. Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram at Gina Bourne. And uh, for all real estate related stuff would be at the Bourne group, but there's periods in between each word. So it's the.born.group on Instagram. And that's where all of our team and real estate related stuff is. Awesome. Thank you, Gina. Thanks everyone for listening. 
If you liked what you heard today, you can support our podcast by following us on Instagram at In The House Podcast, leaving us Apple and Spotify podcast ratings and reviews, preferably five stars for us. Thank you. And following us on Amazon Music and subscribing to our YouTube channel. We'll see you next week. We hope this has been helpful. Our intention is to unite the industry's most powerful, top-performing women, empower women with aspiring stories, and provide you with tools and actionable strategies so you can apply it to your personal and professional life. Let us know your thoughts. Give us some feedback. We want to connect with you and hear about your journey. It's been a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Until next time.